You are now listening to Fangirl Feminist, Media and Feminism. Also, you have been warned. Spoiler warning! Hi! Alright guys, welcome back to episode 4 of Feminist Fangirl. Fangirl, I see this is what's happening guys. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I have to write the title of my podcast in my notes because I keep forgetting the name of it because my... If you don't know this and are a new listener, well, hello, thank you for listening. But I did have another podcast previously and it was called something very similar. So I keep mixing up the names, but welcome to Fangirl Feminist Media and Feminism, where we talk about different types of medias and we look at it through a feminist lens and we talk about cinematic elements and cinematography and plot lines and themes, as well as feminist theories that relate to the media. So yeah, what we are talking about today is we need to talk about Kevin. Woo! Now some of you guys might not be as excited as me because this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Why? Because it's great. And I think a lot of people have misperceptions about it or just maybe don't look into things as much as me. Because this is a movie that I think is ambiguous and there are many different takes that you can have on it. And it is ultimately up to the viewer to decide kind of what Eva, Eva, sorry, is going through and what her story is and what her perception on things are. Because a fun trait about this movie and what I like about it is the narrative is pretty much solely through Eva's perspective and through her feelings. So it's almost like it's an untrustworthy narrator because what we're seeing is what she's thinking is happening and feeling. So things might be warped to her perception, uh, perception, sorry, like we do sometimes as humans, but yeah, so that's what we're going to be talking about today as well as personally, I think the main theme relates to feminism a lot and kind of relates to the idea of the kind of the toxic family and the roles that that kind of forces people to be in. So yeah, I hope everyone's having a good day. My day was good. I had one class today and it went pretty well. We just we're reviewing some animations to get some inspiration for our next project. So I'm super excited about that. It's going to be a rotoscope, which is my favorite kind of animation personally. And I think it's because you basically like are shooting a movie and then adding even more elements that you want on top of it with animation. So I think that's why I really enjoy them because also like I am a personally a really big fan of cinematography. That is my that is my favorite aspect of a movie and what I like to analyze, analyze, I think is the proper word for it, the most and kind of the elements that I think I'm most drawn to within a movie. So that's why I think I like rotoscoping because I can really add cinematography elements and then draw on top of that and even add more to it if I want to. So I'm excited for that project. I don't know what it's going to be yet because we were challenged today to come up with a different idea than our previous idea. And I was pretty set on my previous idea, but now I'm not too sure. So I got to sit and think a little bit with that. But yeah, we need to talk about Kevin. So why is it one of my favorite movies? Um, I watched it actually funny. I don't think I would have ever watched this movie if, if it wasn't for my Cinema 1000 class. Or maybe because I did get into a pretty big horror spree right before that Cinema 1000 class, and I feel like I would have eventually maybe ran into this movie. I have been on a horror spree for about a year now. Yeah, it's been great. Horror movies are great. And sometimes they're very metaphoric and sim like symbolic of things, which I really appreciate. 
So I watched this in my Cinema 1000 class, also why I have a lot of, you know, um, analyzation on it because it's what I did my final essay on because it's what I, you know, it was like my favorite movie that we watched throughout the entire semester. And it's in my top list, I would say, of favorite films. Not too sure what that list would be exactly, but Captain America Winter Soldier is up there. Uh, Howl's Moving Castle's up there. Batman Under the Red Hood's up there. Oh, Midsommar's up there. And we need to talk about Kevin's up there. So those are, I think those are my top five favorite movies, but in no particular order, because I couldn't think about it. And also you might be thinking some of those are like weird choices. Well, here's the tea. I myself personally know that my favorite movies aren't the best movies necessarily in all ways. Like I would give other movies probably higher ratings than some of my favorite movies over, you know. So I'm not saying they're the best out there. We all have our personal taste, right? And that's like the great thing about entertainment and media is that we all consume it for different reasons. And that's why there's media put out there for different reasons because we all use it for something different. Some people use it as an escape. Some people use it to connect with people or how to have a connection with their humanity. Some people use it for like their work. <laughs> some people use it for art. Some people use it to learn something new about the world. There's so many different ways. Some people use it to connect with like real humans, like shows that bring them back to, I don't know, hang out and stuff. And so yeah. Moving on, I would like to talk about some cinematic elements. No, just kidding. Spoiler warnings for we need to talk about Kevin. I'm going to talk about a basic synopsis about the plot because a lot of the cinematic elements that I do want to talk about are going to be uh, related to the plot and also probably reveal some spoilers. So spoiler warning, even though I'm going to just give like a brief synopsis of the plot, I just want to point out that this movie, if you plan to watch this movie, I would recommend maybe watching it and then listening to this because it's a fantastic movie to watch for the first time without knowing anything that's happening. I think the shock at the end is pretty shocking, although trigger warnings for certain things, oh, which is hard to get into, but like I'll say trigger warning for like violence. Most of the violence is implied, but even if that makes you nervous, I would recommend staying away from this movie. But a lot of the violence is implied through the use of color, which I really like. So yeah, spoiler warning, watching it for the first time is an amazing experience. It kind of leaves you on the edge of your seat. You have this like feeling of anxiety throughout the whole film, which is like my favorite kind of horror movie is like when they like literally f leave you feeling nervous throughout the whole film, which I know a lot of people hate. So maybe I'm just the crazy one, but really great film. So it essentially starts with Eva and it opens up the film with this like huge, beautiful red scene of a tomato festival, but it is very saturated with red and it kind of leaves you with this feeling of nervousness because it does feel like almost like this slaughter fest because there's so much red being used. So that's kind of like a foreshadowing for later events that I feel like are going to happen and kind of sets a tone for the movie, even though Eva herself is like, having a really good time at this tomato festival where they're just kind of like yonking and yeeting potatoes. Tomatoes, did I say potatoes? 
Guys, talking for this long is so hard. I am never recording two episodes in a row again. I am just saying, I know it's only half an hour. Like, and I know people have like an hour long podcast, but also I talk pretty fast and I don't know how to fill up the space. And they usually have like two people on them. And when I recorded with Lisa, it was a lot easier to fill the space. So hey man, hit me up if you want to be featured in my podcast and talk about some media. And then, so we just, so Eva, pre-birthing of the Kevin, she is, she travels in her work and she really enjoys her work. She lives in an apartment in New York and she like has nice moments with Franklin and they get married and then they have their son, Kevin, and there's a big tone shift with the scenes between like pre-birth, birth and post-birth. There's almost like this sad tone when Eva discovers that she's pregnant which I think sets a tone for this whole thing and the director herself which I will talk about a little bit later Leanne Ramsey uh she has I think she's a very good director I really appreciate her movies a lot and she said that this movie or maybe it, yeah no I think it was her she said that this movie is a big what if in a sense and it's like what if I didn't love my child and I think that her discovering she's pregnant with the blue hues and her kind of like leaning over with like this dark shading really exaggerates and emphasizes that feeling of like dread and how she already doesn't have like this connection. And it's essentially like revealing this idea of like a mother's worst nightmare. Like what happens if I don't love my kid? What are the consequences? And that's what kind of the direction I think the director was definitely taking with this movie and I think that reflects the ideas of the toxic family because you kind of see these characters falling into these roles that I feel like are forced upon them due to their environment especially with Franklin being a very absentee father not really being there not wanting to discuss Kevin and some of the bad things that he might be possibly doing so this I think this movie sets a really big tone in emphasis of environment and how people are set into these roles and sometimes are forced things that shouldn't be expected of them or that they don't want to do and kind of the consequences of that so and how that relates to feminism is i think especially there's a huge emphasis on this idea of the pressure that we put on women to be mothers and how big of a role that is because we see eva being blamed for the actions of kevin throughout most of the movie and it's kind of like this insight into what it, she didn't necessarily want to be a mother. She was very happy before taking on this role that was like forced upon her almost by this absentee father, Franklin, her husband. And what happens when she's in a role that she doesn't want to be in? She's kind of forced into this environment that's so unknown to her and that she doesn't like, she feels like, you know, she doesn't belong there. What happens when that happens? And I think that's a reflection of the toxic family traits and how moms are expected to do unpaid labor and through um, domestic labor, which is essentially, you know, cooking and cleaning for the kids, looking after the kids, raising like that is unpaid labor that is expected on the role of mothers in households for the longest time. And we're starting to finally like break those barriers, but especially during like the eighties, we see an increase of mothers being expected to do unpaid labor. So domestic labor, as well as having a paid job to be able to support the, like the family. And so the pressures that we put on moms are very extreme and the toxic family dynamic is very harmful to this 
world to the society guys do you know how dramatic that sounded it's very harmful to this world like that girl i can't sometimes i just can't find the right words and then something dramatic comes out like i'm a doomsday prophet here we go guys we're all just gonna we're all gonna be ended because of the toxic family whatever to be honest i didn't grow up in a toxic family environment or a toxic uh family dynamic just due to the fact that me and my mom have always had equal contributions to household responsibilities um that was fair to my age growing up as well as this we learned to have this respect for each other um as humans rather than like mother and daughter i would say like She's like probably my best friend, one of my best friends, and we just kind of vibe and I can tell her anything realistically. And I realize that I need to help her and she helps me and it's a good dynamic. And I really appreciate that with my mom and being able to have my own freedom and um, my own responsibility in a sense. So as we see though, that is kind of the opposite in We Need to Talk About Kevin where the toxic family dynamic is very heavily perpetuated, like the absentee father being there just for fun, um, kind of his role as a father, as just like being at work, as well as the mother who's taking on all the responsibilities for the children, including all of the actions for Kevin. And the father not really believing the mother. We see Kevin being this violent, rebellious boy. And then later in the movie, Eva has a daughter who is this sweet character who's very innocent and never really blames Kevin, even though he is quite violent towards her. So those are kind of perpetuating, I would say, the toxic family dynamic and especially the fact that they live in like a nice suburban home. They seem to be well off. Kevin doesn't really seem to have any problems other than the fact that Eva is not um, like the perfect mom because she doesn't want to be. That's not who she is. And you see kind of this disdain towards Kevin, maybe possibly having a warped perception on what his childhood was like, which is where it comes in for the viewer to be questioning, I guess, if Eva is telling the truth or not. And then we ourselves decide if she's a good character or not, or a good mother or not, because we do see in this scene where so she was like oh she did something with traveling but she has like in the new suburban house she sets up this traveling room with all of uh like artifacts and maps of her previous travels and she seems to be very proud of it it's a nice yellow room yellow is kind of attributed towards i would say a more happy feeling for eva or a more eva sorry i keep saying eva I used to know someone who had a name named eva so eva and eva are very interchangeable to me so Eva, um, when she seems to be feeling like happy and like domestic, I would be not even necessarily domestic, but she's finally feeling happiness, maybe in this motherly role, or she's finding something where she's feeling like content. Finally, you know, the um, lighting is very light. It's very light lighting. Guys, I'm very technical when I talk about my terms. Okay just between me and you, that is the most professional terms I think you could have used in that situation. But in any case, and there is yellow, yellow for happiness, not even just like contentness, I would say, and almost like, it's like a feeling of relief. Like it's like in those scenes that are yellow, it's like 
um, Eva's almost tricked herself into thinking things are okay and that she like is finally like gonna be able to accept this role but then, then Kevin comes in and always ruins it of course because that's like basically the narrative of the story but so yeah Kevin comes in with this paint gun in this room and he's like <laughs> he's got red paint all over the walls and then Eva's like oh my Eva I gotta stop doing that but Eva's like oh my god Kevin you ruined it you ruined it and you see through her eyes and her perception and her feelings he's like looking deviant he's all smirking or not even smirking but he's got like this glare in his eyes right and she is very much convinced that he did it to destroy the room and to destroy like her one thing of happiness i think yeah maybe yellow could be a tribute to happiness even if it's almost like a sad sort of happiness because obviously it's sad if you think that your one source of happiness in this supposedly happy family life and dynamic is like this room of your previous life and memorabilia so in her perception kevin ruined like her one source of happiness but you kind of see him say i was trying to make it look better but he's almost saying it in a snarky way too. But is he actually, or is that just Eva's perception? Because once again, she's kind of an untrustworthy narrative considering it's all through her eyes and all through her brain and all through her feelings. So I know I was supposed to be talking about plot and then got very derailed. So I'll just continue and finish up the plot a little bit. And then I wanna go through the cinematic elements kind of slowly and then those will like slowly add to the plot. And then I guess we'll tie it all together nicely with the theme, you know, like a nice little bow on top. But so yeah, throughout the film, we see Kevin being like just a menace to Eva essentially, but we can't always trust her in these situations because once again, with the warped perception, Eva has a daughter. We know that she always wanted a daughter because she looks at the ballerinas when they're talking about like pregnancy. She's like, oh my God. Just kidding. That's definitely not how the movie goes, but that's an exaggeration. So you guys get the feeling and the idea. Eh? Good storytelling. So when she has a daughter it's actually a lot more happy than kevin's birth it's kind of maybe hard to attribute why maybe other than the fact that she just wanted a daughter maybe she thought a daughter would be easier maybe she was having these nervous feelings about franklin already kind of being a little controlling because as we see kevin is kind of very controlling of eva and manipulative of her basically throughout childhood and then into his teenage hooddom before he performs a very heinous act so maybe that is why so she's very happy to have like i guess another source of happiness after the room got destroyed so of course kevin feels the need to eventually destroy that source of happiness but we see her being added to the family dynamic we see a scene where the lighting is very bright and there's a very yellow hue she's like um the daughter is dancing with the father and then eva's smiling and she's having like you can kind of see that she's happy in this um setting and then it kind of like pans to Kevin and which is very opposite of the feeling of what Eva is feeling he is kind of over the edge and he looks very angsty and out of place in this very happy scene but we are seeing it from Eva's perception so who knows you know what I mean like so so we're seeing it from Eva's perception so it's supposed to be a very happy scene but we see Kevin being very out of place in there and then eventually the story continues, Kevin murders 
her his sister's little hamster pet, which is implied through lighting and use of props again, which is very cool. And I love the use of background and props in this movie, which we'll get into. And then Kevin performs a heinous action and then eventually gets into jail, to which... Eva is essentially taking on all of the responsibilities of what he's done. She kind of gets hated throughout the town. They like throw blood, not blood, they throw red paint, which represents blood, onto her house. And we see her slowly trying to come up with the reason of maybe why Kevin did this, if it was her fault or not. And we see her sit with the guilt and then kind of decide at the end that it wasn't her fault and Kevin wasn't it maybe wasn't necessarily his fault either but they kind of come to this agreement that like the whole title kind of reveals a lot of themes i think this uh, movie has are like sub themes uh we need to talk about kevin so a lot of sub themes in this is miscommunication and misunderstandings between characters because um i think kevin misunderstands eva i think eva misunderstands kevin i think franklin obviously misunderstands Kevin and then Franklin also misunderstands Eva when she's trying to like tell them about tell him about like how their son is acting and behaving he's quite dismissive so this movie does have a very big emphasis on miscommunication and misunderstanding as well as its themes around family and the roles of mother and the roles of kind of like the toxic family dynamic in my personal opinion which is what makes it a feminist movie um and these, the scenes of the past and the present are shown, are shown in flashbacks. So it starts off with Eva in the presence. And then as we see how the town is like treating her and certain things that she's almost doing to herself to punish herself, we see how that relates in correspondence to like the background. And then we see her slowly trying to see if she's guilty and kind of get over that guilt as she like learns and accepts what Kevin did. And I want to talk about my one of my first uh, and most favorite uses of symbolism in the movie, which is the red paint on the house. And so we see Eva, Eva, <laughs> guys, I keep doing that, drive me nuts. So we see Eva slowly scrubbing it off throughout the film in between cuts of present day and cuts of the past as almost she's sitting there and digesting like what has happened and trying to decide if it was her fault or not and as I think she comes to the conclusion is like they both like she was forced into a role that she didn't want but at the end of the day she still cared about Kevin even if she wasn't motherly towards him she still cared for him so in I think at the end she does come to the conclusion that it wasn't her fault that's my personal take especially with what Kevin says because I think he comes to the conclusion too that he thought that he was doing it because he was mad at Eva but I think he comes to the same conclusion that he cares about her too and they were forced into these roles where they were supposed to hate each other and they didn't you know and it kind of led to what happened. So Eva sits with this and she slowly scrubs off the paint. There's a scene where she's scrubbing it off her hands, which I think is really well done. And it slowly like gets washed away. And also I think a symbolism of the acceptance that she, it wasn't her fault because she washes away all this guilt and reminders of the past and violence um, off of her house and is able to continue life without the reminder of that. 
So that is a very good use of symbolism in the movie, which leads me to talk about the use of red. Red is really well done in this movie. It reflects Eva's fear. So her fear of the past when she is like washing it off, her fears of Kevin. It is also used to reflect the use of blood. So during the big a scene where something traumatic happens, instead of showing actual grotesque violence, it's implied through the use of red, which I really like because also we are seeing it through Eva, Eva's perspective. Talking is so hard. We're seeing it through Eva's perception. So she wouldn't have been there to even see what explicitly happened. So it would have been the feelings and reflecting her feelings of fear because we see her hear about it and rush down. And I think this also reveals a moment of caring for Eva because when, and I also think that when, okay, hear me out. This is so much is coming to me right now. That's not even in my, that I've ever thought about before, but it's like literally coming to me as my like personal like experiences may be relating to this but we see eva i think caring about kevin uh for the first time which is like right after he's done this heinous act when she hears about this and she rushes to the place where it's been committed and he she is so caring for kevin that i think she is so worried about kevin that i think it comes across caring and i don't think she's worried that he did something i think she's worried that he got hurt or was caught up in this situation that was happening at this place which i'm not revealing because if you haven't seen the movie and are still watching this i just don't go watch it or read about some it's shocking it's shocking sister it's a good movie it's a good movie uh because i know it's had some maybe like backlash about the glorifying of violence possibly but i think the way that the themes are presented kind of overpowers that, especially because they're non-explicit um, scenes of violence. They're just mostly implied. Uh, so I don't think it's super glorifying at all. And I think maybe <laughs> it's just, it came out before our time too, a little bit. It's a little bit of an older movie. It was made in the 2000s. So I think if this movie were to come out now, I think it would look a little partially bad. But you have to also think about the fact that it's based on a book that was made in the 90s as well. So it's just, there's, you'll, if you watch this movie, if you have watched this movie slash are going to watch the movie, you will understand slash do understand what I am talking about in the main climax of the plot line. But in a way, I think the themes overpower that in what they were trying to show because Kevin is this representation of this almost unstoppable violence in America and in our society and in this toxic dynamic, you know, trait and what happens when these people are like pushed into these roles and are forced into these roles. Like it's, it creates people to be something that they're not in a sense. Which is why I don't think this movie is a nature versus nurture argument in a sense. And I think it's made to make you think that, but it's not. It's more than that. Yeah, so we see Kevin also pitting Eva against Franklin and frankly, see what I did there? I think it's because he believes that, I think he thinks that Eva, because she does kind of think this, um, Eva thinks that Kevin is the reason why 
her and Franklin are also slowly separating because we see a lot of shots between them where there's like space between them and we kind of see them slowly separating as Eva's trying to discuss some things that Kevin has done and frankly Franklin thinks that he's like this perfect goody two-shoes boy. Some other colors that are used, so there is a heavy primary um, color focus, so it's blue, red, and yellow. Blue kind of, so I talked about yellow earlier, and it kind of reflects Eva's content feelings or happy feelings or sources of happiness per se, especially the scenes that use a lot of heavy um, yellow and bright lighting really reflect uh, <laughs> Eva's feelings of happiness. And then blue kind of reflects, I think, a somber feeling. It is uh, used in the scene where she discovers she is pregnant and it is a very somber feeling with low lighting and a lot of blue elements and a lot of blue tones within that scene. So those, I think red is the most well used color, I think, within the film, but all of those colors are used to reflect Eva's feelings very well within the film and I think they're really well done used. And also when you watch the movie, you kind of <laughs> understand that Eva is almost like a target to Kevin, like this targeted person per se. I think he expresses his feelings of rejection of her onto her. So even though they care for each other, they kind of reject each other too within, because they're forced into these roles, right? And the use of the primary color also reflects the use of like the showing of a target. So the target in, within a movie where Kevin is shooting bow and arrows has all the primary colors on it. So those are, I think, also used to reflect the fact that these characters are almost targets within like this toxic fam family role. And specifically, especially because it's through Eva's perception and her narrative, the use of those primary covers, colors really emphasize her as a target kind of within this story uh, against like the an her antagonist which is the guilt of the past and how she's a target of people's anger and anguish and really rejected by the town. Like she's also very much a target of the town as well because a lot of people put the responsibility onto her and not onto Franklin at all because he's once again like this character who is very, <laughs> very absent and very happy-go-lucky in a, in a sense and very not aware of what's going around. He doesn't have a lot of awareness in his role, which is shown very well. He is almost like, like, you know who he is as a character. He's Eva's husband and Kevin's father, but he doesn't always feel like that. And there is this heavy absence of him within the film, which I think is really well done. I think uh, this movie fights women stereotypes very well in the roles that they play, especially with the whole concept of it being like a what if this happened, because we do really force the role of motherhood onto women, and especially with the expectation of repro reproductive repro normativity. <clears throat> so with repro normativity, we kind of expect women to be able to uh, produce babies and fall on the spectrum of the sex gender binary. And their role in society essentially is to be caregivers and mothers. And this movie almost rejects that by showing how the, this role, what happens when that role is forced onto someone who doesn't want that and was very happy being free, traveling, being able to live the life that she wanted. And what happens when she is like, literally she was forced to move from her New York apartment that she loved into this lonely 
suburban house where we see a lot of distance between her and Kevin, between her and Franklin. And it's like she didn't even want to be there. She's not happy there. She's living the life that she didn't want to. But it's something that is expected of women and this like role. So I enjoy fighting the stereotype of that and women being caregivers because Eva really isn't too much of a caregiver. That's not what brings her joy. That's not what the role that she really wants to play. But once again, is like forced to. So that's kind of, it's hard to for me to not look at this film with a feminist lens without thinking that some of the plots kind of center around it. I think it just kind of comes naturally, especially in the way that it fights the this motherhood stereotype and shows like a what if, but maybe that's not necessarily a what if. Like sometimes people just don't want to have kids. And I think that's becoming a lot more normalized now. And I think it's becoming a lot more accepted, which is totally okay, because sometimes that's not what fulfills a person. And if it is totally understandable, because I totally want munchkins. I love kids, which is like, See, look at me fighting lesbian stereotypes. Take that, people. Uh, I blame my siblings. I have two younger siblings and they make my hormones like rage for some reason. I don't know. But that honestly, that is something that I think would bring me joy. And motherhood can bring a lot of people a lot of joy. But also, it's not the role of some people and not what they find fulfilling in life. And I think that this movie does a really good job um, touching on that subject personally. Now, once again, I said there is a lot of way to perceive this film, especially in regards to Eva not being a trustworthy narrative. So that is just one take on the film. There could be a lot of takes, honestly. Take with it, with it what you will. There's a lot of cinematic elements that can honestly be taken a lot of different ways. That's kind of the fun thing about art. That's why I love movies that are kind of more artistic, I think, rather than just entertainment, because I like being able to feel, I don't know, like digest a theme within a movie and kind of see what they're trying to say, you know, within our society or almost reflect problems that are relatable to us and say something about like the bigger narrative. So that's why I really enjoy this film, why it's one of my favorites. Its cinematography is just amazing. Did I talk about the environment at all? Like the, the use of background too? So this is my last thing, just really quickly. The use of background is very well done. We see in this one scene where Eva is trying to hide from these ladies in the grocery store who kind of torment her because of her past. And she lines in with like these soup cans that are with like within the walls or the shelves of the grocery store. And she puts her back against them and sh her clothing that she is wearing perfectly matches up with them. And it's like she's literally blending into her environment. So that whole idea that you're basically becoming your environment is very emphasized through the use of environment with the way that the characters blend in with them and how the environment has a huge impact. So yeah, that is the conclusion of episode four. We Need to Talk About Kevin is a great film, and if you haven't seen it, I would highly recommend it, but I do stick with that trigger warning, so if, like, talks about violence, references of violence, or implications about violence are triggering, or violence in general, I would stay away from this movie, but it was really good, and I really enjoyed the journey that Eva takes, and the acting in it is very well done. Also, I don't I like Ezra Miller. <laughs> he doesn't... He, like he's in this movie and I feel like you like wow it makes sense that he's in this movie and plays this role but if you kind of take away that it's like if you disassociate Ezra Miller with it it's fine 
I, that's what I have to do. I just, his allegations are just a little too weird. And I just, they're allegations, so I won't talk about them necessarily. But they just, I think the way that we excuse some people in Hollywood is a little bit brutal. And I think we should stop doing it. And maybe me liking this movie is excusing it and telling you to go watch it is, I don't know where that line is, but I don't excuse his actions, but I do like this movie. So the director is a woman and the writer is a woman plus her husband and then also the author of the original book is also a woman so I commend that. Woo! But I do not commend Ezra Miller because he sucks. So the author is Leon. Okay, this is- I'm so scared of butchering their names. Like I read a lot of articles about them and stuff but I never watched a video and I don't know how to pronounce their names but we have- Lionel Shrivier, who is the author, and then we have Lynn Ramsey, who is the director and one of the writers, and then Rory Kinnear, Kinner, Kinnear. Anyway, so I would like to commend them because I think they did a really good job with the movie. And Ezra Miller, we do no, not his actions. So what is what a awkward way to conclude this episode because I really that's kind of not what I want to talk about but also I don't want to excuse his actions in a sense because I, yeah as I said earlier I think we excuse a lot of people's actions in Hollywood and sometimes I don't think that's always the best because I feel like if we excuse these behaviors we kind of normalize them in a sense so watch this movie because it has a good theme and it's an enjoyable uh, movie due to its cinematography element elements. Don't watch it because of Ezra Miller. On that conclusion, this awkward and weird conclusion, I hope you have a great rest of your day and I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you didn't, that's okay. You know, everything is not for everyone. And thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. And thank you for supporting me. I have some social medias. I have a TikTok and Instagram and a YouTube under Ziggyo, Z-I-G-G-O-Y-O. And yeah, follow, like, subscribe, all those things if you want to. And if you don't, fine. You know what? Free country, am I right? I understand. So yeah, have a great day. And thank you guys so much. Woo!